Jesus' name. All right, we've been talking about if not now, when. That's been our topic. And I believe God really downloaded a lot of information, not just uh, um, not just um, for today, but throughout this week. I know we don't have everybody here, but we did have a great week, a great fast week with some phenomenal speakers uh, that that really was sharing some wonderful things this week. Um, everybody couldn't be here. Uh, we had quite a, quite a bit of highlights. Some people were called into duty um, last minute, so I think that was uh, Amelia and Amelia and Patanza, right? And then you had the father and son duo. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, with ten-year-old uh, Carter and his dad. Uh, Carter did a phenomenal job. I'm actually going to use a nugget from what Carter shared uh, today. You know, I'm, I'm going to use a couple nuggets for some what some people shared today. But great fast week as always um, because of, uh, of um, some stuff I'll talk about later. We couldn't be in the building for each session, but man, it's just so encouraging to see uh, the family grow together. Um, something James was saying this week. He said, you know, Fast Week is so powerful. We're just seeing it. You get to see everybody and where they are. It's like everybody sharing their testimonies. Um, so I just think, uh, just want to thank everyone that shared throughout this week. Uh, uh, just real, we really had a good time. See if I can remember everybody. So we opened up the week with Siobhan and, and DJ. Then we had Batanza and Tanya. Then on Wednesday... We had uh, Amelia Marcus. Yeah, Marcus was called into duty at the last minute on Wednesday. Thursday, Ed Lou on Thursday. They did a powerful job. Friday was the, uh, the, the, the father and son hookup was, was Friday, right? And then uh, yesterday was the Smith family. Hey, did y'all see uh, uh, Mrs. Smith? Like, like, like Mrs. Smith was rolling like, uh, Juanita Bynum, like she, almost like, if you ain't get your life together right, you would have at that service. So, I saw you, Mrs. Smith. Look, you see the little tag team. You know, J Jason come in. You know, like a parent, Jason come in and smooth you over, like talk to you, and then mom come in and with the raft. So, I see, I see y'all. Y'all did a great job, though. Did the power, everybody did a powerful job. This was this was a great fast week as always. All right, let's get into the word. Uh, we're talking about if not now, when. And let's go to Luke, uh, Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. And we'll start here with verse 16. Who was that? That was me? Oh, that was you? Oh, somebody chat. What's up? <laughs> Somebody uh, chatted live. Okay. All right. So Luke 12, 16. Uh, we, we read this last week, but I thought it would stand out perfectly today. It says, and he spake a parable unto them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plenteous. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do because I, uh, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, 
this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, and eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? And said, so is he that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. So, so again, we talked about this last week. This is a guy. He's a farmer. He has all these. He, he's blowing up. And he looks and he sees the stuff. He said, man. He says, but I'm, I'm getting so much stuff. I, I'm going to need a bigger place to store it. Like he didn't see, man, I got so much overflow. I need to go find some people to bless. He just said, no, nah, I'm just going to store this up. And so he built his barns and he said, whoa, whoa, this is, this is phenomenal. He said, man, I just relax, drink, take it easy. And God shut up and said, sit down, your soul's going to be quiet to you. So, so now, now what is all that you store for yourself worth? And so, so I can hear God saying, so you keep storing them. So you sow the seed, you reap a harvest. I've given you exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask to think so you can be a blessing freely has been given to you, freely give. If not now, when? Like how long were you planning this storing things up? You know, because we, you know, we say to ourselves, yeah, I'm going to get to that. I'll get to God. I'll get to the things of God. But if not now, when? Who's to say you'll be here tomorrow to get to God? All right, so just something to think about. Let's go to uh, now is the time to generously give, right? The Bible says the generous souls shall be made fat. Let's go to John 4. John chapter 4, verse 35. Let's just read a couple of scriptures to give us a good little foundation today. And then we'll jump into some things that God highlighted for me this week. All right, so John 4, 35. It says, uh, I'm not in 35. It says, say not ye... There is yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. He said, Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes. Look on the fields, for they are white and all ready to harvest. Basically, he was saying, say not to yourself, we'll get to that. He said, no, no, now is the time. He's saying now is the time. Let's go to uh, Romans 13. Romans 13. If not now, when? If not now, when? It's something built into that natural man to defer everything to a win, for our commitment to, our, to win, our, our, our diligence to win, our discipline to win. You know, but, uh, you know, what's the line? Hell yeah, God's still working on me. Like, like God is so confused when it comes to dealing with you, it's going to take him years to finally figure you out to get you to where he needs to get you to. So he's still working on you. Like, I'm one of them confusing projects for God. No, God is not confused. He fearfully and wonderfully made you, gave you everything you need. Ain't that right, DJ? <laughs> a little nugget I got in conversation with uh, Minister Smith over there, so. All right, so Romans uh, 13, 11. 
right? It says, and it says, and that knowing the time that look, now it is high time. Keyword now. It says, now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Look, it says, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. It says, the night is far spent and the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. It says, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting or, rioting or drunkenness, not in chambering or wantedness, not in strife or envyings. It says, uh, it says, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust of the flesh. So he says, now is the time, right, for us to not have provision for the flesh. Now is the time for us to answer the call of what we had to do. Amplified version says this. It says, besides this, know what a critical hour this is now. It says, how it is high time now for you to wake out of your sleep. It says, rouse to reality. It says, for salvation, final deliverance is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Than when we first adhered to, trusted in, and relied on Christ the Messiah. Right? Now is the time for us to awake to reality. And so we were talking last week, and, um, and the Lord was saying a lot of times, in our life, there's these now moments that come where God has strategically set things up in place and we need to act now. But sometimes it catches us off guard. I was having a conversation with a young man from the church who's in business and he's, he's working his family, he's working his business, he has a wonderful job, right? And he says, you know, I'm just juggling these things. So the business is kind of pulling on him to come aboard full time. And he says, so he told his business partner, he says, uh, he says, you know what I'm talking about. So he says, uh, he said, uh, he said, I'm gonna need you to come on. I forgot the date, but here real soon. Let's just say in the next six months. He says, well, that's what you want me to do, but that might not be how it's set up for me. So then the guy says, so, so, so when do you think you'll come aboard? Like when you think, he says, well, what, for lack of better words, I'm going to put it this way. He didn't say exactly when my, all my ducks are in a row, you know, when, when everything lines up. And so I said, you know what? That's good wisdom. I said, so the wisdom of having a plan is good. I said, but you got to keep your antenna up for a now moment. Because we could have a plan and be so locked in. This is the way I think it's going to work out. And God could be going just like this. Hey, hey, hey now is the time. So you got to keep your antenna up for now moments, right? Because we had a plan. We had a, I had put together a, a hundred page proposal, uh, a two-year timeline, a two-year plan. Uh, I researched and toiled and studied. Uh, uh, you know, I had um, uh, who was going to take, my two-year timeline was who was going to take over every position I was working in at the church. I had, uh, I had strategically different months I was going to visit uh, different pastors that had planted. Um, this, this is what I presented to my former pastor. I had, uh, who was going to take over all my positions? I did a lot of things at the church. Uh, this person could do this. I even had a list of all the people I counseled and where they were in the counseling. Everybody I was counseling. This is where this person is. Then I had a list of people that I was uh, trying to assist in growing to leadership and where they were in their process. 
So like people that sometimes the pastor would notice, I had them on the list. Oh, now this person is eventually going to be good at doing this. This person's going to, I had all this, had a proposal, why it's important, what the value of planting the church, how it could benefit the sending church plant, uh, uh, what we were going to teach, uh, how we was going to give back to the church, how we were going to bring our team to the church to be trained. Everything was in there. What we were going to tithe from the church to, the, to the, the, the church that we came from, all that stuff was in there. How was uh, the, the first uh, 30 days we would gather this way? Uh, the first 60 days we would gather this way and how we would grow the church. That's, I mean, see, that sounds detailed, right? It didn't go that way. You know why? Because God kept coming up with now moments. We were supposed to leave at the end of the year. We left in October. They just ordered 10, 10, 10 at the 10 a.m. service. But we had to operate on that now moment. And I would have milked that thing because I was used to, I mean, I was, I, you know, I was already at a church, a, a pretty good church. I was already, um, I was ministering to the Ohio State University football team, ministering to Capital University where he went to school. Uh, I mean, I was known in the basketball community, ministry community. I'm comfortable. And my wife was like, so, so it's going to be December. I said, well, you know, December's around Christmas, you know, you know, holidays. And I said, probably be like the first of the year. Then I was like, well, it may not be the first of the year because the pastor casts his vision the first of the year. So it might be like, you know, a little later. I said, you know, somewhere between January and March 2011, even though God said by the end of 2010, we left in October. So we can have our plans, but we got to keep our antenna up for now moments, right? Y'all got that? So, so, and this is what we got to watch, choking points. So choking points are points where we choke on now and defer it to win, right? We got to watch choking points. We all, listen, I had a lot of choking points in my life. I talked to a guy I played college basketball with, and I was, we was walking through all my choke, choking points where, God was moving to put me in a certain position, and I choked. I'll give you a perfect example. Basketball has been a major part of my life. I've told this story before. And so, so for me, I got caught up in basketball, and I fell in love with it. So I wanted to play basketball. Eventually, I wanted to go pro. So, so where I grew up at, I'm a little guy. Like when, I'm, when I got to high school, I was 4'11", 4 feet 11 inches. Right, I think by the end of my freshman year, I was 5'1". By the end of my freshman year. So you can imagine, I'm trying to play on the court, this little dude. And, and so, North New Jersey is not a type of city where if you, like so, so if I take a shot and I miss, they don't go, hey buddy, don't worry about it, you'll make the next one. No, what they do is go, hey Isaac, hey, hey, come on, take Keith's place, get off the court. If you miss a shot, or if they don't see nobody, they'll say, don't shoot no more. Don't, don't shoot no more. Wow. If you shoot again, we're we kicking you out of here. So I, I felt that I, I couldn't make any mistakes. But I made a lot of mistakes, so I didn't get to play. Sometimes, I would, this is what I would do. I would leave school, run home, get the money to go to the store to buy, uh, I had to buy bread every day, buy the bread, run back home. So I run to Lions Avenue where Pathmark used to be run back to Goldsmith Avenue and Parkview Terrace, then run back to Chancellor Annex, uh, uh, this is where we play ball, to try to get first in line. So I go, yeah, I got the first, I got first game. I got first game. Now, sometimes I had first game. Sometimes a bigger person or a tougher person was like, man, you ain't playing. You ain't got first game. 
I got first game. Like, okay, what? Well. <laughs> I'm a little dude now. Remember, I'm a little, I'm a little guy, right? So, so, so I did this religiously. Now, I like to write. I used to write poetry. And so, so for our final, I wrote this uh, short story about love. And it was a court jester, and he was traveling all over the world for love. And when they interviewed him, he would, he would uh, recite a poem. And it was all the poems that I had wrote for the last three years while I was in high school. So he, he, every time they asked him a question, he responded with a poem. But each poem was the poems I wrote. This was my story for my final. So the teacher was like, so uh, she was reading all uh, the papers. She says, well, I got a couple I just want to read. And so she started reading. Uh, she said, this is our top paper. And when she started reading, I said, well, that's my paper. I was like, that's a top paper? And then she wrote on there, see me after school. So she wrote for a magazine. I, I, I couldn't see you after school. I had to play basketball. I, I got to get to the court. Like, if I see you after school, I'm going to be late getting the, going to the store to get the, the bread. Then I'm going to be late getting first in line, and I probably won't play at all. I said, nah, I, I didn't tell her. I just didn't show up. <laughs> like, I never said nothing. I just, and she kept putting it on my paper. Every time I would do something, see me after school. I said, nah, no, I got to play basketball. That was an hour moment. Okay, so I also scored the highest score in math on the SAT. And so, so uh, schools started recruiting me for math. One of them was Stevens Institute of Technology. And so the people I live with, they were foster parents. They asked me if I wanted to go to the school. Well, I didn't tell them this. I just said, no, I don't want to go. But this is what I was thinking. They probably don't have no basketball team. Man, I can't go to that school. Nah, 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 I can't. Now, I'm trying to get out of Newark. You know, you know I want to grow, get out of the hood. I had an opportunity to be sent to a school that they were going to pay for, for math. And I was like, nah, nah, they probably have no basketball team. They don't have no basketball team. Then I find out three years later, one of the guys playing out here played uh, college ball for Rochester Institute of Technology, and the school that I was supposed to go to was in their conference. They even had a college with a basketball team. A now moment. You see, like a now moment. So, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump to this because uh, I was talking to Terrence Stringer, goes to our church. We were talking. He said, man, he said, you know, sometimes, Pastor Keith, we have youth moments. He says, we have youth moments where we have a decision to make. It's really an adult decision, but we're making it as a youth. He said, so, for example, I always tell the story. Terrence was one of the top rated quarterbacks in Alabama. In high school. So he's recruited for all types of schools. But of course, you're from Alabama, where do you think he wanted to go? Alabama. Alabama. Okay. <laughs> look, 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 we got, we got one. I was about to say we got one Alabama, but I forgot we got two Alabamas back here. Okay, Alabama. Okay, y'all good? We, we, I can go back to the sermon? All right, so, so, you know, they had a moment. So, so Alabama recruited him to go to the school. Recruited him to play quarterback. Well, right before recruiting season was over, they switched coaches. So the new coach called him up and said, hey, if you want to go to this school, you're going to have to play safety. You have to change your position. And he's thinking to himself, what? I'm one of the best quarterbacks in the country. So he said, nah, I don't want to do that. 
So, but it's, it's at the last hour, so all the other teams, top teams, had their quarterback. So he goes to a HBC, I think it was a Tuskegee, I think. He goes to Tuskegee on a quarterback scholarship. Shortly, while he's playing, I don't know if he's there one or two years, they came to him and said, if you want to keep your scholarship, you got to play safety. He wanted to keep his scholarship, so he played safety. At a smaller school, end up being great at safety, end up sign, signing as a free agent for the Giants. You know, he's with the New York Giants for a few days. But what he said was, if I would have took advantage of my now moment, I'm using the word now moment. Of course, he didn't say that. He says, I would have been at a Division I school, played well, and I wouldn't have been a free agent. I would have been drafted. He says, but what happens is in a youth moment, uh, well, I'm using youth moments, adults go through this too. He says, you're supposed to have parents around you uh, or men and women of God around you where you could take this big decision, bounce it off of them, and you get back wisdom. But a lot of times we stay in our own world, youth as well as adults, we don't bounce it off of no one. All those things I told you I did, I didn't talk to nobody. Even the people I live with, I didn't say, okay, listen, this is what I'm thinking through. They don't have a basketball team. What do you think? I asked them nothing. I was just like, oh, no, we can't go there. No, basketball, basketball, basketball. No, I can't go see you. I didn't even talk to the people I live with. Hey, the teacher keeps asking me to go see her. You think I should go see her? That, I wouldn't have heard, right? No, I just, no, 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 I got this, I got this. See, and some of us are still living like that. And we're missing now moments because we're not listening to the wisdom in that now, right? So I wanted to share that with you guys um, because these are choking points. Sometimes there's, there's choking points. Oh, I, I didn't play basketball in high school. I played in college. But I didn't play basketball in high school because I didn't have an opportunity to play. I was on the team. I counted the players and said, oh, they probably already got who they want during the trial. I didn't finish the trial. I, didn't, I, just, I just didn't show up. And the coach went around asking, well, what happened to Keith? I made some excuse why I had a fight, hurt my finger. He said, you, why you didn't tell us? We could have called a trainer. The coach was my uncle's best friend. So I just missed the now moment. Somebody made the team because I didn't. Did the same thing in college. I'm on the team already. The next year, I didn't try out because I counted. <laughs> then I looked and said, oh, he's probably a recruit. He's probably a recruit. Oh, okay. They probably got their team already. They sent a scout to ask me. They were looking for you. Where you at? Why you didn't come show up? I responded like some fearful kid, but it looked like in the hood. Man, what I look like, man? Running up and down that court ain't going to play, man. What I look like? That's not what I was thinking, though. I was thinking, what, they need me? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? But I, but, but I, but I, had, to, I had to have my edge like I was cool. What? Man, what I look like? But that's not what I was thinking. That, man, I was so depressed that year. Because they playing and I'm watching. And I love basketball. I missed the now moment. How many moments are we missing? All right? How many moments are we, are, are we missing? Right? And some, sometimes we're second guessing our now moments. We're second guessing. You know, everything in you is telling you that now, now is the moment. But you second guess, you start to think through it. God tells you to start a business. Now you're looking for help. God didn't tell you about no help. He told you to start the business. 
But no, now you, hey, hey, what you doing? Hey, hey, what you doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like we start to second guess. Well, I don't know. I might want to think through this. I got to think through that. No, sometimes you just got to go with the now. Right? Sometimes you got to go with the now. You got to follow that unction from the Holy One and operate in that knowing. Right? Sometimes we're sending out guinea pigs. You know, guinea pigs, really like little small hamsters. But you know, they, they, they test them things, right? So sometimes we're sending out guinea pigs. We, we, we send, <laughs> we're sending, we, you, you go out ahead. <laughs> you see how it's going to work out. But even if it doesn't work out for that person, that's not you. Even if it works out for that person, it's not you. Right? You can't send out a representative for your now moment. Right? You got to jump on it. So, so let's look at, I'll give you an example. See, and sometimes people get in your blessings. Because you're sending them out. You're like, hey, hey, hey. No, no, you go ahead. Oh, 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 oh. It happened in church all the time. You know, uh, Pastor Mel call you. You know good way you're supposed to sing that song. Right? But you're like, well, you know, not right now. <laughs> you know, you know, I haven't really <laughs> worked on my voice yet, you know. Uh, not yet, Pastor Mel. So then you got Venetia over here. I'm just using you as an example. Hey, hey, Pastor Mel. Hey, Pastor Mel. Hey, I'll sing it. So now the, 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 the power of God wanted to fall in that moment and wanted to use you. So she gets blessed. Because you, you go ahead. Venetia, you go ahead. You got it, girl. You go ahead. But no, you're supposed to sing that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did y'all see Ed singing on? Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so just in case you was wondering if I was talking about you, Ed. I don't know. <laughs> right? All right, so let's go to 2 Samuel 6. This is a very interesting story. So the backdrop here is children of Israel. They, you know, they're constantly in battle, you know, with their king. And uh, the way things were set up back then is they, uh, the children of Israel, a lot of times rolled with the Ark of the Covenant. And that represented the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. And a lot of times when, I know they were in a battle and they were losing. And they said, man, we need to get the Ark of the Covenant. He said, we need to call over to Shiloh, get the Ark of the Covenant. And when, they, when the Ark of the Covenant came in, the people were, you know, they were shouting. So the enemy, the Philistines, is like, what's going on over there? He said, man, the Ark of the Covenant. They said, the presence of God is there. So they start getting scared just because they knew that the children of Israel had the presence of God with them. That's how, how serious the Ark of the Covenant was. But let's look at this situation. So they were in a situation where uh, David, you know, you know, David doing his little battles and stuff. He decided to bring the Ark of the Covenant into the city. And we'll start here, 2 Samuel 6. Second uh, Samuel 6, and we'll start here at verse 6. It says, and when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark. So they were bringing the ark in, and when they came to the threshing floor, the, the, the ox kind of, you know, they rocking and rolling, and they shook the ark a little bit. So, so, so uh, uh, it says, Uzzah put his hand uh, to the ark and took hold of it, for the, the oxen had shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error, and, and there he died uh, by the ark of God. See, because he, he, 
he wasn't sanctified to touch it, right? And verse 8, and David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how shall the ark of the Lord come to me? And David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him into the city of David, but carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, uh, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told, told, told King David, saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth to him. Because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed Edom into the city of David with gladness. And that's when it said he danced before the Lord. Remember, it was saying he danced with all his might. So look, Uzzah just missed it because he wasn't sanctified to touch the ark. David got offended and missed the now moment, sent the ark to Obed Edom's house. They was blessed. It says that everything that pertained to him was blessed. And it had to be so powerful because the town was hearing about it. They came back and said, hey, man, Dave, I, I, know, you, I know you king, but you know Obed-Edom's house is blessed because of the ark. So he received a blessing because of a deferment. <laughs> Ooh, who's, who, who's been blessed for the last of three months because of your deferment? All right, all right, just, 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 just something to think about. See, uh, my, my good buddy, uh, Carter. <laughs> Carter, Carter spoke this week. If you guys didn't, if you, if you get a chance, you can watch it online. He spoke on Friday. Carter spoke on Friday and, um, and it was uh, powerful. He talked about, uh, trading down what God has for you. He talked about trade. I'm good. He talked about trading down, trading down what God has for you. And so, oh, oh, that's Carter's notes. <laughs> I, I'm good, I'm good. I heard him, I, I had to leave, but I heard him. He was like, uh, Pastor Keith, is he still here? Uh, because I have three pages of notes, and if he wants to use my notes to help him in his sermon, uh, I have a set of notes for him. So I heard you. <laughs> yeah, so, so here, you know, 10-year-old, but he was rolling like an adult. And so he talked about trade now, which I, which I thought was powerful, but he talked about the story of Jacob and Esau and basically how Esau missed the now moment and let Jacob steal his birthright, right? Um, but Carter talked about how Esau traded down his birthright for a cup of soup. And, and how Carter said, Really? You know, for a cup of soup, you know how Carter's like, come on, like a cup of soup, you know, like, but, but he, he basically, he, uh, and what did he say? He said something about the trade. He said, you reduce God down to a trade, to a trade. He said, you reduce God's blessing down to the trade that, that they presented the pottage on, right? And, you know, this young 10-year-old was teaching this. And, uh, but, but that traded down hit me because I knew what I was teaching and I already had Jacob and Esau and the birthrights in my notes because that's a now moment. And what I got from Carter is don't trade down your now moments. See, see, when we defer it to win, we're trading down. See, see, okay, so Carter, Carter's a football guy. 
You know, Carter loves football. Matter of fact, ask Carter probably about any player in the NFL. He can give you the breakdown. Matter of fact, Carter give you breakdown. He'll give you team strategy. He'll tell you how they lost the game. No, no, 10 years old. But I, 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 talk to Carter right now. Matter of fact, you know, you guys are in fantasy sports. Yeah, I might want to call Carter up. No, Carter, no, no, you don't want to, you don't want to play him today. That's, that's Carter. Well, that's where you get the trade down from because in the draft, what happens is you, you have a person that has a top draft choice. So, so now he's in a position where he can get this player that can change his entire team for years to come. So some people opt, they have this now moment, and they opt to trade down for a lesser player at a lesser level. So they'll trade the, the draft pick and say, well, okay, give me some future draft choices. I'm going to defer the opportunity to get a top pick to a win moment, to later on sometime. W-E-W-H-E-N. But right now, I'll just take maybe somebody a little lower, right? And sometimes people have forfeited somebody that could have changed their life forever. You know, you know, Chicago wasn't the first people to have the opportunity to draft Michael Jordan. Matter of fact, I think the Nets had the number one pick, and they picked Sam Bowie. I know I'm saying names, nothing personal to you, Sam Bowie, but you know, you're not a Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> right? Is that right? That's, huh? Portland. Portland? Oh, Portland picked Sam Bowie. Okay. He must have ended up with the Nets or something. <laughs> you know, I'm from New Jersey. <laughs> right? But, but so, so that means you had the first pick. You could have picked Michael Jordan. <laughs> right? And so, so, so where have the, we have choice opportunities that could change our life forever. But are we trading down our now moments? <laughs> right? I just, Carter said that. I just thought that was powerful. So I, I promised him I was going to use it. Um, and, and so, so something I, I, I've, I've t told my son for years, son, you have to embrace the uncomfortable. Whatever you do, you can't live life and all your choices has to be what's comfortable for you. You have to be willing to embrace the uncomfortable. Well, Batanza says something. She says, she says what she learned, what she's been learning is uh, we have to do what's uncomfortable now. We have to do what's uncomfortable now. Because think about it, sometimes in our lives you have people that says, okay, I'll get to the uncomfortable. I'm just going to relax now. Well, that never works out in your favor. You got to do what's best first. And it's always best to do what's uncomfortable now. Because what's, what's not uncomfortable, you can do that anytime. Right? So she said, do what's uncomfortable now. So some people are, are running from some, some interesting moments, right, in their lives. Let's look at 2 Chronicles 13. 2 Chronicles 13. If not now, when? Right? If not now, when? Are we trading down our now moments? Shout out to you, Carter. Thank you for that, that nugget. He probably was like when I opened up with the topic, he was like, well, I thought he was going to talk about trading down. I, I know what you're thinking over there, Carter. Right. I had you. All right. So, um, I, so, so, so 2 Chronicles 13, it starts with verse 7. I'm just going to read verse 7, but I'm going to give you the story here. This is one of, uh, uh, one of the um, uh, Davis, uh, in David's lineage. 
Uh, it says, and there are gathered unto him vain men, children of uh, uh, Belial, and have strengthened themselves against Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. And when Solomon, and when Rehoboam was young and tenderhearted, he could not withstand them. When he was young and tenderhearted, it's similar to what Terrence was saying about youth moments. And so if you, if you know the story of this, this, the backdrop of this king, you know, his opportunity to become king. And so he, he was talking to the elders and the elders was telling him how to operate. You know, this is how you want to operate. This is the wisdom that you, 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 your lineage operated in. This is how you're gonna, your kingdom will actually rise. But then he went and talked to his boys, his friends, you know, the guys he hung out with. And they were like, man, 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 your dad was soft, man. What you need to do is, man, treat him like this. Man, you need to treat him worse than what your dad did, man. Man, listen, man, I'm telling you right now, that's how you need to roll. That's how you need to roll. Well, he listened to them. And the kingdom went wild. So he had a now moment, an opportunity in that moment. How he handled that decision was going to determine if his kingdom would elevate or if it would be temporary. So it's not just about obtaining, it's about maintaining and reproducing. But in that now moment, he didn't listen to the elders or the wise. He listened to his boys, and some of them probably was hating, right? So they gave him the bad advice. Who were we around? Like, 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 think about it. Why would you listen to young peers that are inexperienced too? Why? Because they sound confident? They haven't gone through nothing either. Okay, why would you listen to people around you that are living in compromise? They haven't showed any diligence or discipline. Why would you trust what they're saying? Right? And this is what we do. We have these moments that could change our life forever. And sometimes we're uh, taking the wrong advice. So we have these moments in our youth, as Terrence was talking about. um, uh, And Jeremiah says, I knew you when you was in your mother's womb. And I ordained you a prophet. Uh, then he goes on to say, fear not their faces, don't be dismayed by their looks or their speech. Jeremiah 5 to like 7 or 8, right? He says, fear not their faces. So Jeremiah, he, he called them and he said, you were already designed to do this. But what he was saying to Jeremiah, this is your now moment for you to operate in what I called you to do, right? This, this is it. He says, hey, look, look, before you was in your mother's belly, I ordained you a prophet. He says, but now this is your now moment. But, you know, Jeremiah was very uh, reluctant. You know, he says, fear not their faces. Don't be dismayed by their looks or or their speech. You know, it's the same thing was repeated repeated in Ezekiel 2, right? Fear not their face. No, I don't know if it's Ezekiel 2 or Jeremiah 1. You know, sometimes I I mix them. But one of them says, I'm going to make your face as flint towards their face. So I'm going to give you a, a, a certain level of a presentation so they don't just try to take advantage of you and you won't be as intimidated. And then, then he explained to them, fear not their faces. Don't be dismayed by their looks or their speech just because they, they look intimidating, they look docile, they look cold, they look like they're not receiving or receptive. You still have to deliver in that now moment what I said. Right, you see, so, so Jeremiah was being called in a now, but he was, his, his, uh, his youth and his fearfulness was having him to want to shy away. 
Now, I know those scriptures so well because coming out of Newark, New Jersey, you know, I had that flint face. Or some of you say, well, you still got a flint face. But, but uh, and I, I, I had to realize that I couldn't be dismayed by people's looks or speech. I had to be willing to uh, give them the truth of love. Because, come on, like, I, you guys have been up here, but, you know, when you're up here, we, pack, we, we full house. Everybody's not smiling like, oh, wonderful, tell me more truth. Right? Some people are like feeling convicted, but some people are like, man, ain't nobody trying to hear that. You can see it on their faces like, who you think he talking to? Right? I ain't even say their name, but that's what they're thinking. Who's, who he's thinking he's talking to? And he ain't, I think he, he arrogant. Why? Because I'm telling you the truth. Right? You see what I'm saying? But so I can't be, uh, I can't be flinched by that. I have to be obedient. Right? So the scripture tells us to flee youthful lust for a reason. Why? Because these youthful lust clouds us, uh, 2 Timothy 2.22, they cloud us and we may miss our now moment. And so, so what's happening in sometimes in our lives is we're good people. Uh, we got pulled into the temptation of youthful lust, okay? I'll just call it that, okay? Uh, compromise, weakness, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then so I think, I, I don't want to say everybody deals, deals with that. I'm, I'm going to assume they do, but I don't know if, if everybody. But let's say a lot of people have dealt with youthful lust, okay? Uh, can I get a show of hands? I'm just playing. I'm just joking. Just no, no hands, no hands, right? So, so I don't think that is, that's as bad as not growing up, not evolving. The scripture says be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? Don't be conformed. And the reason why is because now we take something that's a youthful lust that almost has a grace. You know, uh, you know, bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah, that's, the, that's a time when you cross over to embrace your responsibility with God. Up to a certain point in, in, in the Jewish culture, your parents are responsible because you're not at the age of accountability. Right? So, so I think in those periods of time is probably when people get caught up in youthful lust. And almost they get a grace or a pass because the parents are responsible and accountable. But, but there's a season that you cross over in where you're responsible. And some people are still carrying around in a knapsack youthful lust. And it's clouding them from now moments. And there's, these now moments are accurate decisions. See, we want to keep, we want to stay in this gray area, but it's not gray. The scripture says, uh, uh, well, it's not the scripture. The scripture does talk about that your yes be yes and your nay be nay, but it's a song. I was supposed to have it for you. Uh, the whinings bring back the days of yay and nay when we could plainly see the way, <laughs> right? Yay, yeah, uh, we search for yay and nay. I, I love the song, right? But what it's saying is yay and nay is in the now moment, it's yes or no. There's no gray area. There's no deferment. There's no, I'll think about it. There's yes or no. Right? And so we're blowing moments because we think we can wait on yes or no. When in that moment, look, look, listen. The scripture says, I set before you life and death, blessings and cursing. Right? But what does it say? Choose life. But I can almost say, the scripture says, I set before you yes or no. Choose yes. <laughs> like when that moment hits, 
choose yes now, right? And, and that's the thing. We have to get back to, like, think about it. We've been on vacation for a long time. Like, we, we've been on vacation. We've been hanging out with youthful lust. We've been, and, and, and you know, because you grow up, you have, you, you're, you're, you know, so these guys, well, he's about to go to college. So you get to a point where you're like, I'm on my own. Not really, but you think you are. And you go, well, I can do what I want to do. And you bring the youthful lust now into, you only got four years to set your foundation to, 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 to have your launching point. And, they'll, and people will waste that with youthful lust. Then they'll graduate or not graduate. And then now the next four or five years is youthful lust. And, 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 and my emphasis is not as much on youthful lust as they cloud you to, from seeing now moments. Youthful lust to have you, I don't know if I think about that. Well, you know, eventually I'm going to be all in, you know. Like, we actually think because people betrayed us, we don't have to operate now. Like, we actually think that we got a pass, you know. Like, okay, so we both was hurt in a relationship, you know. You actually was in a marriage. Uh, <laughs> thought I emphasized that, right? So... <laughs> <laughs> Right, but that didn't give us a pass from in, in that now moment coming together. We met, married in five, uh, I gave her in five months, married her in 10. Right, we've been together 28, well, we've been married 27 years, been together 28. Right, but, but that was a now moment. Because I guarantee you, probably was more on my side, because you know guys, it's hard for us to commit to stuff. If I didn't operate in that now, if I didn't recognize that's my wife, this is now, listen, our, our whole lives would be changed, all of us. <laughs> we wouldn't be here. I'd be still caught up in youthful lust. <laughs> all right, just something to think about. Um, the scripture says this in, in Lamentations 3.27. It said, it is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. See, we think our youth gives us a pass on now moments. But I just told you, the reason my life is on a delay is because I didn't take advantage of now moments in my youth. Like, I, what do you think when you're young? I got time. But everybody in this room that's gone through tragedy in their life will tell you it started when they were youth. Hey, most people will tell you it started at the prom. Right? Most people, whole life changed at the prom. Right? I'm talking about negatively. <laughs> right? And in that now moment. And I just gave you all. Look, I got offered the, the, the math school when I was a youth. I got offered to write when I was a youth. I didn't tell you. I, listen, I drew a self-portrait. When I grew up, I drew all the comics and stuff like that. Y'all know I like art. But I drew me. Like from my knees up, I had my, my, uh, my, my sweats from, uh, from the basketball team. I, had, I always wore Kango hats. I had my Kango to the side. I drew a lifelike from knee to head. Look, my size, everything. To this day, I don't know where it's at. I don't know where it's at. Matter of fact, I, I, was, I was in art. I didn't really like the class. I was flunking the class. I passed the class with a C. You know how I passed the class? On the drawing. I, I got an A on the drawing. To this day, I don't know what's that. Somebody could have made money off of it. 
Not only that, I was writing in, in the creative writing class in college. They, the guy said, could we publish your stuff in the, in the, the school newspaper? Right, you do whatever you want, you want to do. Really, this is what I really was thinking on the inside. I don't care. They could have made money off that stuff. I have no idea what they did with it because I wasn't paying attention to now moments. I was being offered. I, I know a young lady that, write, uh, that, that writes for uh, one of the major newspapers. We were in class together. She write for a newspaper. I wasn't writing for no newspaper. Know why? Miss now moments. I was only, I was 18, 19 years old. Well, at that particular time, I was 19 years old. No, I think I was 18. Because I, when I got to college, I was 18. Right? It happens in your youth. I, well, I'll get to that. <laughs> when, when we cross that bridge when we get there. No, you better start preparing to cross that bridge now. Now. Yeah. Right? Get in shape now. That's just a little side note. You know, we know who that applies to. All right, so... <laughs> Matthew 6, all right? We just got a few minutes left. Matthew 6. Now, now again, I could, I'm, I'm, don't do what I do. I'm, I'm in that now moment. I, I'm sharing that in love. I'm not. The person knows. I want that person to. We have one of the greatest athletes in the world in our church. Amen. Actually, two of them. Amen. But you could be the greatest athlete in the world, but if you don't. Take advantage of your now moments. Won't nobody know about you. All right, so Matthew 6, uh, this is great. 34, verse 34. Now, you know, Matthew 6, you got the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, our name, thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as heaven give us this day our daily bread. Uh, forgive, us our, uh, uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I skipped something. Something about trespasses, right? Leads not to temptation, but thy is the king, the power of glory forever. Amen. All right. <laughs> right? Close, right? Matthew 6, 6 through 10. All right? Then, then it crosses over and in, uh, in Matthew 6, 19, it starts talking about uh, take no thought or worry for. Don't worry for how you're going to eat or how you're going to sleep. You know, I take care of the lilies of the field and the fowls of the air. Like, they don't worry about their clothes. They don't worry about how they're going to be fed. Right? And then it says... The Gentiles seek after these things in verse 31. It says, it says these things, all these things like clothing and, and things where he says, he says, Gentiles seek after these things. He, and then it goes on. It says, you have need of these things. It says, but, verse 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that, we, that, that I just said don't worry about will be added unto you, right? But verse, no, no, no. Now, now that's all the way to verse 33. Look at verse 34. It says, take therefore no thought. Now, this is the third time take no thought is mentioned. It's saying, don't worry. It says, so take no thought for tomorrow. Don't worry for tomorrow. It says, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. It's, look, it says, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. What it's saying is, don't put, you know how we get in our head and we start to uh, calculate what's going to happen tomorrow if I do this today? It's saying, don't spend all your energy worry about tomorrow. Take care of what you need to take care of today. Because you have today. You have the time and energy today. Why wait till tomorrow? If not now, when? Because what happens tomorrow? 
Tomorrow you process things the same way. You're like, okay, well, you know, I can, I can do this today, but, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like Thursday, you know, and, you know, when the end of the week, the, hey, end of the week, end of the week, I'm about to make it happen. Friday comes, I mean, that's the end of the week, you know, it's a long week, I got to chill a little bit. Then Saturday, I got to take care of things on Saturday. Sunday, I got to go to church. And then you're like, you know, Monday, one, hey, once Monday hit, it's on a Monday start. I mean, it's first day of the week, man. Just get back to work. You know, I mean, I had to get to a Tuesday, but but Monday drags into Tuesday. But I go to church on Wednesday. You know, then Thursday, you know, I got, you know, I got things. Ah! Hey, I'm going to tell you, by the weekend, I'm about to get this thing done. Next thing you know, you're back to Monday again. See, you think you're lazy, but what happens is what you're doing is you're creating a momentum for miss now moments. See, you got to train yourself to act now. Hey, 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 you don't, you don't know how the uncertainty how it's going to work out. But what could possibly happen in, if you act now is not as worse as what happens when you delay now. You see what I'm saying? Like, even that, like, like there's situations where people acted now and lost battles. God used the loss to give them a victory. He didn't tell them to turn around, keep moving forward. I'm about to work this out for good too. Because you're acting on now moments. The scripture says, walk circumspectly, redeem the time, maximize your moments, your now moments. Ephesians 5, 15, and 16. Right? So we got we to jump on these things. Stop delaying and deferring. I, uh, James chapter 4, uh, 14 through 17 says, I have seven minutes. I'll try to get this done in seven minutes, okay? I says, whereas you know not what shall be on tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor, James 4, 14 through 17. It is, even, it is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. It says, for, they, uh, for that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or do that. But now... Ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So, so look, it said, you know not what shall be on tomorrow. So when you say, I'll get to it tomorrow, how do you know? Like there's a faith that I'll have that everything in life will shut down and free me up to do this tomorrow. When you actually can do it today, wow. in the now. And it's saying, like, if you, if you know if to do good now and do it or not, it says, to him it is sin. See, because a lot of times God is in that now and he's saying, I need you to do this now. And we're not, somebody talked about it this week, we're not being obedient to what God says. Now, I don't know if that was, was that you? Huh? Mrs. Smith? You're Mr. And Mrs. Smith? <laughs> right? And so look, 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 uh, uh, verse 14 amplified. It says, yet you do not know the, the least thing about what may happen tomorrow. What is the nature of your life? You are really but a wisp of vapor, a puff of smoke, a mist that is visible for a little while and then disappears into thin air. So we don't have as many, uh, I'll get to that moments as we think. You, you, you know, if you travel the speed of light, time stops. 
Did you know that? So if you travel the actual speed of light, and that's 272, whatever, you know, time stops. See, see, we're so caught up in time as time is so valuable, but God's not in time. God's in now, right? And so we have to make accurate decisions. Pastor Mel said this. We were, you know, we have our uh, after talks and parties and stuff like that, and we was outside, and she was like, we got to stop hitting the snooze button. When God asks us to do something now, we got to stop hitting the snooze button. When I gave the story of uh, my son used to, come to, uh, was used to not show up for practice because he was asleep, my son used to get up, and we set it up where he had to get out of his bed to turn off the alarm. Get out of the bed and hit the snooze button. But he's out of the bed already. He's already in his now. And we'll go back in the bed. Miss practice? Miss playing. Because I wasn't going to, he wasn't playing. I remember they asked me, where is that guy that was scoring all those points for you guys last year? I said, he's right there on the end of the bench. He's not playing? Nope. Why not? Is he hurt? Well, he ain't come to practice. <laughs> he was, he's one of our star players. No, he's not playing. Right? So we, we, we miss out on these moments. See, Abraham had a now moment. And this is what sometimes, like, we, we, one thing about Abraham, Abraham operated in what we call compliance. So Abraham was, whatever the laws, the Jewish laws was, Abraham was on it. So, he, so his dad was getting sick. He took care of his dad. His nephew was, um, uh, his brother died, so he took care of his nephew. So God shows up to him. So, so Abraham's the type of person, when he shows up, hey, Abraham, hey, hey, I got you. I'll be there. And call me at three. Hey, 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 what you need? Hey, don't worry about it. I got you covered. Hey, what you do? I'll take care of that tomorrow. No, 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 come on. No, no, I'll talk to you now. I'll talk to you now. I'll talk to you now. No, no. You don't have to worry about a thing. I'll call up Jimmy. Jimmy's going to make sure they build your tent for you. Don't worry about it. You, hey, hey, just calm down, relax. I got connections. Matter of fact, we're going to do it for free. That's Abraham. Taking care of everybody. God shows up and said, man, you've been faithful. He said, you know what? You've been so faithful. He says, now I need you to leave your brother and your kindred. Go to a place where I'll send you. And in that place, I'm going to bless you. He was telling them, I need you to leave what you're familiar with. What makes you feel like the man? What makes you, when you show up, everybody needs me. I'm Abraham. I'm there for them. I need you to leave that. And now I need you to take this mantle of chosenness on you and go for yourself. You're in a now moment. Now, see, that's hard because his default was, but everybody needs me. Elijah shows up. And he drops his mantle on Elijah. And he says, ho, let me go back and take care of my peoples. He said, like, like, I don't have nothing to do with you. He said, you, you're missing an now moment. When I drop that mantle on you, it's God time now. Yeah. This ain't got nothing to do with you complying to make sure you take care of fam. You were faithful in another man's. Now it's time for you to have your own. Mm. So some of us know the scripture and a now moment comes, and we still operating on the default of, well, you know, I just want to show that I'm, I, I, I could be there for them. Because we don't want to step up to the platform of the light. See, so, so, so some of us, God is dropping that mantle of chosenness on us. Now is the time. And we keep going, well, you know, I just kind of waiting for this, that, this, that, and the other. My son said something to me early this morning. We were talking early this morning, like six something. And he said, Dad, he said, you know what? You prepared me to play in the NBA. 
He said, he said, I have. He said, he said, Dad, think about it. Syracuse, Yukon, Butler, Ball State, Ohio State. He said, all these letters. He says, when I went to the blue chip camp, Metro camp, they were like, who are you? Where did you come from? You're one of the best players in the country. How come we've never heard about you? He said, I was set up. He said, but I miss my now moments. He said, he said, he said, and he said, and you know how I missed it, Dad? Be honest. He said, yes, I dated the girl. Well, we call the situation kryptonite. But he said, he said, he said, yeah, I, I messed up there. I messed up on my ACT. He said, Dad, but that's not how I messed up. He said, he says, I never told you this before. He says, I was afraid. He said, he said, and I, I hope it was okay for you, me to share that, son. Um, but it's not a bad thing. It's going to help somebody. Um, but he said, he, said, he, said, he said, I was afraid. The reality of what I was really being prepared for and all that was coming at me, it shook him a little bit. And, 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 and if you didn't want me to share it, I apologize, son. But I'm going to tell you why I share it right now. Because there's people sitting here and watching right now. It ain't all the other stuff. It's not mommy and daddy. It's not how people treat you. It's not the relationship. It ain't none of those things. It's your own fear. You miss it now moments because of your own fear. You mask it well. You look sweet at doing it. But it's your own fear. And so, 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 so you know, of course, the scriptures walk by faith and not by sight. If we, if we shake some of these loose youthful lusts because lust doesn't just bring cloudiness with you. It brings fear. It brings paranoia. It brings panic. And the devil only needs to steal that moment. See, you think he's working on your whole life. He just needs you not to see and act in that now moment. He's been stealing moments, not our lives. He can't keep up with our lives. We roll on with God. And so if he can get us clouded, and then now, then we go on this road where we're depressed, we're frustrated. You start seeing things happening for people. You're like, man, you know, when's that going to happen for me? And God be sitting there going, I already had a now moment for you. You had already been doing this. So you sitting there tripping like, I'm not there for you. You ain't there for you. Why am I getting a bad rap? Every time you think it's okay for you to compromise, you ain't there for you because you're saying, I'm going to risk being blind when my now time comes. Jesus. When my, you're, saying, you're saying it's worth the risk. You're taking a chance on not seeing me when I come. The Bible says, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth. It says, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. It says, stay alert, stay focused. That you don't enter into temptation. Why? Because God knows he's sending now moments and you need to be as sober-minded as you can. Why do we say at this church, fight to see? It all ties in. Because God has been trying to get stuff to a lot of us for years. But we keep missing now moments. But then he gets the bad rap. When you gonna come through for me, God? I just, I just, I just, I was there like just last week. Like, you, you was clouded. You was mad. You was offended. You was smoked out. 
You was in lust. You was in fear. I, I don't understand. Like, why are you mad at me? All right, so, so that's, all, that's all for today. We stand on our feet and pray. 